Welcome back to the Northeast Newscast. On this week's episode, we are at Latinx Education Collaborative talking about some of their exciting new projects and what they're up to here on Lexington and Pendleton Heights. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. If you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, tell everybody what you do here, um, and then we can get into some of the details. Of course. So my name is Susana Elizarraz. I am the Deputy Director of the Latinx Education Collaborative. I've been with the organization for almost, I guess, four years now. Um, before that, I was a teacher. I was a teacher at Gladstone Elementary here in the Northeast. Nice. So people will recognize that that name. Um, I was a sixth grade teacher there for six years. So. That's awesome. And yeah. what brought you to the Northeast community? Was it Gladstone? No, no. I've lived here my whole life, actually. Oh, great. I'm a lifelong Northeast resident. Um, I grew up on St. John and Monroe. Um, that was my childhood home. And I, uh, we live on 17th and Elmwood now, so it's on the other side of Truman. So Edgar is always making fun of me because I've betrayed the... <laughs> <laughs> You're on the wrong side. I'm on the wrong side. But... Um, but still here, close in the neighborhood, and my mom still is on St. John and Monroe, so my roots are here. That's awesome. Yeah. And so you probably care a lot about this community, you Absolutely. know, having grown up here. Mm -hmm. Did you go to school here in Northeast? Yep, I sure did, yeah. So I went to James um, as for my first elementary school, and then Skerritt, which is closed now. We lived in Skerritt Renaissance, and that, um, that was my elementary school. Um, we moved for a couple years, and then I came back for Northeast Middle School. Um, so I went to Northeast, and and then um, for high school I went to a private school. So, tell me a little bit about LEC's mission, especially working here in Northeast on representation and things like that. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. I'm speaking with the Northeast News because my um, my passion very much aligns with the mission that we do and with what the neighborhood um, looks like, right? So. Our, our mission is to increase Latino representation in K through 12 classrooms. Um, unknowingly, that was my mission as I became a teacher. Um, you know, we, we know that most of our teachers are white female and I saw that being a kid and being a teenager in particular. Um, and I knew that um, I, I was having experiences as a student that I wished I could share with my teachers, right? Um, so in high school, it was very much amplified the fact that you know we need uh, diverse teachers and teachers from all walks of life, and so that's um, that informed my decision to become a teacher. And then of course, um, I taught for six years, and and then it informed my decision to come with the LEC. So um, there's a lot of research behind um, why teachers of color are important, but. I think what's most important to me are the stories. Um, we live in such a diverse neighborhood, um, and I know that I've I built relationships with students' families, with students, um, just based on the fact that I was bilingual, that I was Latina, that I was here from the neighborhood. Um, there's a little bit of a, of a trust factor there, right, that gets built when you know that people understand where you're coming from. So. Um, here at the LEC, we're all, all, our staff is from all walks of life. You know, we're all from different countries. We all speak differently. Um, we all have different stories. But uh, what unites everyone who walks in this door is just that, uh, that acceptance and the sense of belonging. You know, you yourself have played so many roles in that story, from student to teacher to now advocate for your community. I guess, how old were you when you encountered your first Hispanic teacher? Um, great question. 
I was in high school. I was in high school um, that when I had my first um, Latino teacher. Um, and I, I, I tell this story to the kids when I go out and I talk to students about becoming teachers. Um, as you can, as you maybe can guess, uh, usually kiddos aren't aren't jumping in their seats like, yeah, I absolutely want to be a teacher. But I, I really get excited to give them a different perspective, and that perspective is I remember being at Scarrett, um, and Scarrett in particular. I remember, I guess I was in second grade. Um, I always had these stomach aches um, going to school. I loved school. I did very well at school. Um, and my mom chalked it down to you just you just don't want to go to school, right? Um, but now that I've dissected it as an adult with my therapist, with like just looking at the mission that we do, um, I was anxious about the fact that my mom was home alone and my mom was undocumented. Um, and I remember, I distinctly remember thinking in my brain, like, you know, I just need to be home so that if someone knocks on the door, I can answer for her. Um, even even the mail person, the FedEx person needing a signature or um, that that really um, was anxiety um, um, inducing for us as a family, but particularly for me. Um, and I tell that story to kids now because kind of hits home with um, I wish that I had a, a teacher I could have shared that with who could have said, you know, that's not how deportation usually works. You know, um, your mom's going to be fine. Um, you know, let's let's maybe get her some resources to see, you know, whatever. Right. But I didn't see that represented in my teachers. And though I had amazing teachers, um, I, I spent a lot of my childhood very um, feeling like our family was othered. Right. Even though we weren't. We were in a very diverse neighborhood where a lot of my friends were having some of the very same experiences. Um, but I, I tell that story uh, about my mom being undocumented to like bring it home for kids. Like teaching isn't just about, you know, the dry erase markers and, and behavior, right, is what kids kind of refer to often. Um, it's about the impact that you make on people feeling like they have a sense of belonging in society. So not only, um, your mission is not only supporting students and families, mm -hmm. but also teachers. Mm -hmm. And a huge part of that is making sure that they have resources in order to deal with families, you know, that are experiencing things like this, yep. help support them um, while they're in the classrooms. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about how you support your educators while they do this work. Absolutely. Um, there's no way that we're going to increase representation if retention isn't part of that conversation, right? And unfortunately, for Latino teachers in particular, um, we're one of the quickest to leave the classroom. Um, the national average um, for a teacher to leave the classroom is about five years, which is also, wow. yeah, is, is not very long, unfortunately. Um, the Latino teacher average is three. Um, those of us who have been classroom teachers know that even at five years, you barely scratch the surface of what being a classroom teacher is, let alone three, right? Um, so you're absolutely right that the work that we do, um, we have lots of workshops and community building things to bring together Latino educators so that they um, feel a sense of community and a sense of belonging. Um, unfortunately, you know, we hear lots of stories from our teachers still to this day about not feeling like they belong within their school culture. 
Um, and these are, these are adults. These are well-certified, well-qualified people to do this work um, who, who um, their, their accents get mentioned all of the time from admin or from other teachers. They're asked not to speak Spanish to their students. Um, yeah, here in Kansas City today. Um, you have teachers who actually happen to me, right? Um, where the push is English, right? In some, some, some cult school cultures. Um, and the research shows that, that it, the brain does so well being a bilingual, a multilingual person. Um, so anyway, as a teacher, hearing those messages, it, it's hard. And it does very much lead to burnout and inform people's decision to leave the career. Um, so because I know that how important it is to have Latinos in schools, um, I, you know, we try to have um, opportunities for teachers to just get reinvigorated and, and excited about our career. One thing you're doing right now is the Latinx Educator Awards, mm -hmm. um, nominating fantastic teachers throughout the Kansas City area and beyond, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. So what exactly does that mean to be a nominee? Yes, um, it's, it's my most favorite time of the year um, because actually we open up the nominations to the community. Um, we, we put out uh, a call to our social media, to our uh, newsletters and say, hey, I know you know an awesome Latinx educator, nominate them for an award. So we have um, the, the Latinx Educator of the Year, we have the Future Educator of the Year, which is a current college student who's pursuing education. We have an uh, Aspiring Educator of the Year, which is actually a high school student who aspires to be an educator. We have school staff or volunteer of the year, people who kind of go above and beyond in those roles. Um, and then we have administrator of the year. Um, this year, we've had so much interest in the past, especially, like you said, with expanding to across the nation that we added on some uh, recognition awards for people who exemplify our values. So community, integrity, impact, personal growth, and authenticity. And when we, like I said, this is my favorite time of the year because we get to surprise educators, and whether it be on Zoom or in person here in Kansas City, um, there are many of them who, who get emotional. Um, and there are many of them who say, you know, just, just being recognized, it feels really good. Uh, I was talking to my team member today, Delia, who's, who's working really hard on this project, um, and I said, you know, I wish we could do so much more. And yet you have teachers who are so, so, so grateful and thankful and, like I said, get emotional. Um, and here we are with a plaque or a certificate, right, when they deserve so much more. Um, so to be a nominee, um, it means very much. I think it very much informs um, people's energy to continue to do the work. Um, and, and they know they have a community behind them. Right. Um, you have people who are um, cheering you on, who are here to support you if you need anything. And I think that makes a big difference, too. Definitely. You know, especially when you're getting maybe to that level of burnout or you're just mm -hmm. feeling like you're doing all of this year after year. That recognition really matters to people. And mm -hmm. it's exciting to see, you know, maybe that passion lives on for a little bit. You mm -hmm. know, they can pass that on to their students, pass that on to fellow teachers, mm -hmm. say people recognize what we're doing and we need to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. 
as somebody who has spent so much time around the school system in Kansas City and in Northeast, you know, mm -hmm. how have you seen it change over the years in terms of representation? Um, you know, unfortunately, I haven't seen a lot of change. Um, here in Kansas City, I, I knew it as a student. I knew it even in my college years. But now doing the work with the LEC, I have the numbers to inform what I knew. Um, less than 1% of educators are Latinx in Kansas City. Um, I think that number's bumped up a little bit in the last couple of years, um, but it is still less than 2%. Wow. Um, and that includes this very diverse neighborhood. How does that compare to students in the classroom? Good question. Um, so here on the Kansas City, Missouri side, about 28% of students are Latino. Um, we're talking every, you know, the Kansas City Metro, right? So you're talking North, South, Charters, Public. Um, over on the KCK side, which I know doesn't uh, apply to the Northeast, but um, it's nearly 50%. So the Latino student demographic is really high here in our area. Um, and, and the Latino educator um, demographic is, is pretty low. Um, so I haven't seen that change over the years. Um, and what I've, now what I see in my work is unfortunately in some cases there's a little bit of lack of investment. Um, we have some amazing paraprofessionals, some amazing teacher aides, some amazing even you know food service staff, secretaries, janitorial staff who purposefully work in our schools because they're passionate about kids and about education that now we as an organization are working with um, to, if they're interested to get certified um, that kind of have been looked over. Um, you know, districts obviously have a lot of amazing strategies for recruiting and recruiting teachers. Um, but Dr. Pasina, who just joined our team, is amazing longtime educator, calls it low-hanging low fruit. You know, who are already in our school systems that I do, I do remember that from being a kid, right? You had your ELL paraprofessionals, you had your um, assistants who oftentimes were the most diverse people in the schools. Um, so how do we kind of invest some time and effort into folks who are already invested? Um, it's a little bit of what we're doing. It's time to take a break to thank our sponsors. Shemekas Online Market in Delhi, offering catering and nationwide shipping at shemekasonline.com. Find their new deli at 16th and Swift in North Kansas City. Shemekas, where customers become friends and friends become family. From classics to campers, hot rods to hoopties, Seaberg Muffler, your exhaust headquarters since 1974. Armor Road in Burlington in North Kansas City, Missouri. And now back to the newscast. Some of the resources you have for teachers and parents that, you know, maybe we've been around schools they're not familiar with. You know, what are some of those things that if a parent or teacher is having a problem, they can come to you for that resource? Yeah, absolutely. I, something I tell my teachers, you know, anytime I'm talking to a teacher is, or, or someone who's pursuing education is, um, just, just reach out. You know, we may not have the answer, we may not know the answer, but we'll be there with you to find out. Um, because the, unfortunately, our schools are very under-resourced. Our teachers are very underpaid, and yet um, teachers figure it out. You know, I was just recently talking to a teacher this week um, about a program that she's supporting and she, that she's running, and, and she's at Dollar Tree and, um, you know, Hobby Lobby every weekend, you know, out of her own, her own pocket, right? So 
Um, that's a small example, or really not a small example, that's an example of where we can maybe jump in and say, hey, you know, we have some resources that we may be able to help and support you, or maybe not, but we have some connections with networks around Kansas City or nationwide that may be able to support. Um, so what I always tell my teachers and people who we're in contact with is just reach out. Um, now, of course, um, you know, you mentioned Revolución Educativa for parents. Um, I, um, there are a lot of resources on that side of the house as well. Um, Ayuda KC was recently um, unveiled and just a way for parents to, to give that number a call and just say, hey, I don't really even know what my question is, but here's the situation, right? Which is often um, what a lot of the parents who come to us do say, right? Like, I'm not really sure, you know, what's the policy? What is there legislation around this, right? Um, so us, and, and you know what? Teachers come to, that, come to us with that situation sometimes too. Um, just for needing help with some advocacy, needing help with um, having a community behind them to, or to support their self-advocacy sometimes. Obviously you have a lot of passion behind education and the Northeast. Mm -hmm. You know, what is your vision for the future? How, how can we make things change in a way that will support those Latino students? Yeah. Um, you are correct that the Northeast and, and, and you know, the East Side, uh, re really places in our city where there are a lot of disenfranchised folks have a really big place in my heart um, and very much inform my passion. What I would like to see is for all students to have um, a, a great sense of belonging in schools. Um, schools are our first introduction to, to, to mainstream society, right? And so um, if we can start off our first 18 years of life feeling that we are enough, feeling that we are seen, that we're appreciated, that we're loved, and that we can you know, invest in ourselves and people are investing in us, um, I think it sets us up for a good future. Um, I would also like to see, um, which I know that this happens in a lot of different ways, but um, kind of some well-rounded investment into the Northeast and into the East Side in particular. Um, when I think about the housing situation in Kansas City, um, that very much informs schools. Uh, the Northeast is becoming, and, and has been for a long time, a really lucrative place to live. It's a very diverse place. We have so many amazing, um, you know, small businesses here in the Northeast. Um, but unfortunately, we are seeing a little bit of gentrification here in, in the Northeast. Um, and, and of course, new communities and all of that is always awesome. But um, unless we have a, um, you know, a full rounded um, investment from everyone to make sure that we don't push folks out, um, that's what's going to end up happening. So I'm really passionate about um, ensuring that folks who want to be here in the Northeast, who want to be on the East Side, can be here. Um, and that people who are disenfranchised the most, so the elderly, you know, undocumented folks, um, refugee folks who, who often don't have an option for where they're, they're living or where they're residing, can find a comfortable and affordable place to, to be. Um, I'm, I, know, I realize that I'm, um, I'm kind of a nerd in, with education <laughs> topics, but, but I know as a teacher firsthand that um, transiency, housing, that's the number, I won't say number one because I don't have the research for that, but it's a huge impact 
on students' quality of education. If I'm needing to move every year, every couple of years because our lease is up and now I can't afford the new rent, that's really impacting kids' um, you know, uh, consistency. We know consistency is key for kids. It's impacting their um, ability to, to gain a consistent quality education, regardless of where that is. Um, so I would love to see a city where all sectors um, realize how important ed the education of our kids is and that that investment can happen. Um, I know it does for sure in a lot of different ways. Our city and our, uh, there's a lot of organizations in Kansas City who do good work. Um, that's what I'd like to see. There has always been a strong Latino community here in Northeast, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. at least as long as I can remember, as yes. long as my parents and my grandparents can remember. Yes. This seems like a huge gap that hasn't been filled until recently, mm -hmm. you know, what was the need like before LEC was here? Mm -hmm. You know, um, there's, there's a little bit of um, misconception when it comes to the way that Latinos do or don't engage with schools. Um, I was recently talking to someone and they said, well, you know, what is it about Latino parents and the fact that they don't engage as much in schools? Um, and I said, well, there's a couple of things we have to consider. One is that in many of our home countries, we, uh, we hold schools and education to a very high regard. Um, my mom talks about how her teachers were right no matter what. And if the teacher came to your house and let your parent know that you did something, there were no questions asked, it was you, right? <laughs> um, there's a very high respect for teachers, at least, you know, I'm, I'm from Mexico and I know for a fact um, where I'm from and where my family's from. Um, so there's a little bit of, I mean, there's definitely trust, right? Where parents send their kids to school, and I think that's the case in a lot of communities. You send your kids to school and you expect a, a good quality education. The second thing is, I think, what most people think about is accessibility. Um, language accessibility, um, you know, if, it, if, it's, if it's difficult to get information, it's going to impede my decision to engage. Um, and then I know for my mom, my mom was undocumented my whole childhood. There was a fear factor there. Um, it, it, we, were, we were fearful that security guards were at the front of our schools and that we had to go through metal, metal, metal detectors. Um, to, you know, we were afraid that she was going to get asked for an ID. Um, so when, especially speaking of immigrant and refugee folks, you know, um, they're coming into a new society where um, you're needing to learn the norm. And it, may, it looks different a lot of times than what you're used to. Um, but you're absolutely correct that the LEC and Revit have filled the gap that, that has been needed for so long. Um, and we have the proof of that when you have parent after parent after parent coming in saying, hey, I'm just not sure, but I don't know where to go. I don't know who to talk to. I'm nervous to talk to someone. Um, you know, th there's fear of retaliation. Um, and and I, I, I also think about my mom talk, just voted for the very first time in her life. That's awesome. Uh, this past November 8th. Um, I, I petitioned for citizenship when I turned 21. It's been a little bit of a process and she finally got to vote. Um, but even that, 
I had to talk her through it. It took me a couple of years because she got her citizenship in like 2020. Um, it took me a couple of years to, to talk to her about voting and how demo we live in the true democracy here in America because when she grew up, there was lots of corruption and voting you know, in her town didn't really matter. It, 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 you know, your politicians were who, you know, there's a little bit of nepotism and all of that, right? Um, and so we have to understand that those cultural differences are going to inform how we interact with institutions. And that's absolutely not the case for everyone. Um, but those, those scenarios and those situations exist. And we, as public servants, have to meet people where they are regardless of what that is. Um, and I think that's what the LEC and Revit is, is hoping to be here to do. You know, as you've been around for a few years, you're building that trust within the community. Have you seen parents become more empowered, get more engaged? Yes, absolutely. It's been, the, it's been one of my favorite things, uh, particularly in the last year. Um, we as a team talk about how we, um, we create space right and we don't necessarily drive our our thoughts or our opinions or our uh, you know whatever we think we give space for parents to come and 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 you know share what they want to say and share what they want to see um we had recently a a parent who's gotten engaged with us and and the next day she calls and says hey i also want to talk to city council you know, can I have the phone number to someone at City? And we were like, absolutely, right? And so it's not, it's so cool that like seeing, we don't have to be the ones at the microphones. We don't have to be the ones at the front, but there's so many folks who are ready and who care very much about their kids, about their neighborhood, about their community, that they're willing to step up. They're just sometimes needing the microphone, needing the space. So I'm very proud that, that that's us for a lot of people. You know, as an educator yourself, a classroom teacher, mm -hmm. what was that emotional labor like, you know, as one of the only Latina teachers in your school, probably, mm -hmm. um, that kids could share that experience with? Mm -hmm. um, I will say that, unfortunately, that, that partially informed my burnout. Um, it, it was difficult to be the listening, listening ear and sometimes the voice for a lot of our families and students. Um, it was something that I did, um, you know, without thinking about it, because obviously I was very passionate to make sure those voices were heard. But um, there is some emotional labor when you're having parents talk to you about their situations of being undocumented or not having enough food. Um, and, and that being something that they're comfortable with sharing, knowing that you come from a similar situation as they do. Um, I have a parent in particular I'm thinking of who was undocumented and um, she came in and, and just you know said, I'm really nervous about asking you this, but my kids are all documented and I heard that I can get food um, help for them. Can you help me out? And she was referring to food stamps, right? And, and absolutely, those kiddos are, um, they have a right to, to, to that support. But she had been going all of these years with four kids um, and struggling to feed them. And that is a lot of emotional labor. Um, even now, I kind of feel that emotion coming back up because teaching already is really hard. Um, and I, I miss it every single day. It was a little bit of a grieving process leaving the classroom. Um, but that's a perfect story of how this, this has to be systematic change. 
Um, and yes, you know, those one-on-one -on -one situations I know made a huge difference for those parents and those kiddos and for my classroom. Um, but I knew that um, the efforts that I was putting forth um, at some point needed to inform systematic change. Um, I heard a quote that, that um, while I was going through this decision and someone said to me, sometimes we will dig from wells from which we will never drink. Um, because I talked about missing those hugs and the Valentine's Day parties and the field trips and all of that. Um, but I knew that so that that mom didn't have to wait for that one Latina educator in order to get food stamps for her kid, her kids, I knew I had to go support systematic change um, and fight for systematic change because that's not right. Um, for that scenario, having a Latina teacher made all the difference. And I realized that we have amazing teachers of all ethnicities, but um, we know that there are situations that, that we as Latinos experience. There's a whole spectrum of them, right? And we are not a monolith. Um, but I knew with all that emotional labor came burnout. Um, but I had to use that burnout to go do something to change it. And that, that informs my efforts here with the LEC. Absolutely. I really appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, of course. Thank you for asking. And last thing, um, your Fund the Future campaign. Tell me a little bit about yes. what that's going to go toward. Yes. Um, right now we are in the middle of our Fund the Future campaign, leckc.org slash fund the future. Um, we do a yearly um, giving campaign just to support the work that we do. Um, like I said, there are times when we are supporting teachers with school supplies. There's time when we're supporting um, teachers with uh, things that their students need, field trips, um, buses. Buses are expensive, and if you've hit that cap for your school year, you know, there aren't any more. When I was teaching, I got $200 at the beginning of the year, and that was all I got for the year. And so, and that's a very typical story, right? And so, um, there's a lot of things on the ground that we do that, that these funds would help support. Of course, um, Latinx Educator Awards, Evolucion, Acción, the summits and the conferences that we host to um, hold space for Latino teacher community, um, you know, is something that we are, are passionate about and want to maintain. And so the Fund the Future campaign is definitely all about that. Um, I think my favorite part, too, is my opportunity to go out to schools. Um, I get to talk to students about becoming teachers, and um, it's my, one of my favorite parts of my work. Um, our goal is $10,000 before the end of the year, um, and at those $10,000, we will be pieing uh, Edgar Palacios, our <laughs> executive director. I have to be here for that. <laughs> Which I'm really excited about. Thank you for the you know, optimism that we'll get there, because <laughs> I'm excited for it too. But every, every step of the way, we'll be celebrating in different ways. So um, at one marker, we'll be awarding five teachers with $100 gift cards. And another marker will be awarding a teacher with a spa day. Um, so we're hoping that we get to those kind of benchmarks so that we can celebrate teachers even more. Um, and I mean, the name says it all, right? It's funding the future for students to continue to see um, investment in them and investment in their schools and in their educators, I think is really important. 
So you shared um, the Fund the Future website. For more yeah. information, people can still go to that same website? Yes, leckc.org slash fund the future. Um, help us pie Edgar Palacios. I know a lot of people <laughs> in the neighborhood would love to see that. <laughs> and um, do you encourage people to just stop by your office yes. if they need anything? Yes, yes. We are at 2203 Lexington Avenue, right across from PH Coffee. Um, follow us on social media. We are constantly on there. Shout out to our digital experience team, Ivan Ramirez, Catalina, Lexi, Sebastian. They work very, very hard. Um, yes, always feel free to pop in. Send me an email, susana, S-U-S-A-N-A, at latinxedco.org. I'm happy to support in any way. Um, and yeah, like, like you said, pop by. Awesome. Yeah.